This is day 118 of our daily Bible reading. We'll be completing Psalms 108 through 113. We are going to add one more today in preparation for doing Psalm 119, which is the longest chapter in the Bible. I don't want us to have to read that and four more chapters, so I will be incrementally adding on a couple more psalms here or there during the ones that are shorter so that it won't be so painful for us on that one day. Lord Heavenly Father, thank you for being who you are. Thank you for giving us such a shining light as an example for us to follow through your Son, Jesus Christ. May we embrace fully who he is, and may we embrace who you are. May you cause us to be more aware of how short we fall before you, or that we just are such sinners in your sight. Our very best is nothing but filthy rags for you, and yet you have loved us, and I still struggle with that concept. Why? Why, Lord, do you love us so much? But even if I don't fully understand it, I fully embrace it. And thank you, Lord, for loving me and for everyone listening. Lord, please bless us. Please empower us with your gospel that we may help save people in your name. Lord God, that we may have boldness of faith and boldness to speak out, to share our faith and not keep it to ourselves. Please bless the reading of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. My heart is steadfast, O God. I will sing. I will sing praises, even with my soul. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. And I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your loving kindness is great above the heavens and your truth reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens, and your glory above all the earth, that your beloved may be delivered. Save with your right hand and answer me. God has spoken in his holiness. I will exult. I will portion out Shechem and measure out the valley of Succoth. Gilead is mine. Manasseh is mine. Ephraim also is the helmet of my head. Judah is my scepter. Moab is my washbowl. Over Edom I shall throw my shoe. Over Philistia I will shout aloud. Who will bring me into the besieged city? Who will lead me to Edom? Have not you yourself, O God, rejected us? And will you not go forth with your armies, O God? Oh, give us help against the adversary, for deliverance by man is in vain. Through God we will do valiantly, and it is he who shall tread down our adversaries. O oh God of my praise, do not be silent, for they have opened the wicked and deceitful mouth against me. They have spoken against me with a lying tongue. They have also surrounded me with words of hatred and fought against me without cause. In return for my love, they act as my accusers, but I am in prayer. Thus they have repaid me evil for good, 
and hatred for my love. Appoint a wicked man over him, and let an accuser stand at his right hand. When he is judged, let him come forth guilty, and let his prayer become sin. Let his days be few, let another take his office. Let his children be fatherless and his wife a widow. Let his children wander about and beg, and let them seek sustenance far from their ruined homes. Let the creditor seize all that he has, and let strangers plunder the product of his labor. Let there be none to extend loving kindness to him, nor any to be gracious to his fatherless children. Let his posterity be cut off. In a following generation, let their name be blotted out. Let the iniquity of his fathers be remembered before the Lord, and do not let the sin of his mother be blotted out. Let them be before the Lord continually, that he may cut off their memory from the earth. Because he did not remember to show loving kindness, but persecuted the afflicted and needy man and the despondent in heart to put them to death. He also loved cursing, so it came to him. And he did not delight in blessing, so it was far from him. But he clothed himself with cursing as with a garment, and it entered into his body like water and like oil into his bones. Let it be to him as a garment with which he covers himself, and for a belt with which he constantly girds himself. Let this be the reward of my accusers from the Lord, and of those who speak evil against my soul. But you, O God, the Lord, deal kindly with me for your name's sake, because your loving kindness is good. Deliver me, for I am afflicted and needy, and my heart is wounded within me. I am passing like a shadow when it lengthens. I am shaken off like the locust. My knees are weak from fasting, and my flesh has grown lean without fatness. I also have become a reproach to them. When they see me, they wag their head. Help me, O Lord, my God. Save me according to your loving kindness, and let them know that this is your hand. You, Lord, have done it. Let them curse, but you bless. When they arise, they shall be ashamed, but your servant shall be glad. Let my accusers be clothed with dishonor, and let them cover themselves with their own shame, as with a robe. With my mouth I will give thanks abundantly to the Lord, and in the midst of many I will praise him. For he stands at the right hand of the needy, to save him from those who judge his soul. The Lord says to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Lord will stretch forth your strong scepter from Zion, saying, Rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people will volunteer freely in the day of your power, in holy array, from the womb of the dawn. Your youth are to you as the dew. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever 
according to the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He will shatter kings in the day of his wrath. He will judge among the nations. He will fill them with corpses. He will shatter the chief men over a broad country. He will drink from the brook by the wayside. Therefore, he will lift up his head. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart, in the company of the upright and in the assembly. Great are the works of the Lord. They are studied by all who delight in them. Splendid and majestic is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. He has made his wonders to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He has given food to those who fear him. He will remember his covenant forever. He has made known to his people the power of his works, in giving them the heritage of the nations. The works of his hands are truth and justice. All his precepts are sure. They are upheld forever and ever. They are performed in truth and uprightness. He has sent redemption to his people. He has ordained his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do his commandments. His praise endures forever. Praise the Lord. How blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty on earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Light arises in the darkness for the upright. He is gracious and compassionate and righteous. It is well with the man who is gracious and lends. He will maintain his cause in judgment, for he will never be shaken. The righteous will be remembered forever. He will not fear evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is upheld. He will not fear, until he looks with satisfaction on his adversaries. He has given freely to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn will be exalted in honor. The wicked will see it and be vexed. He will gnash his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked will perish. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forever. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations. His glory is above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, who is enthroned on high, who humbles himself to behold the things that are in heaven and in the earth? He raises the poor from the dust, and lifts the needy from the ash heap, to make them sit with princes, with the princes of his people. 
he makes the barren woman abide in the house as a joyful mother of children. Praise the Lord. Most of what we read today are obviously psalms of praise to the Lord, which should be rightly so. We should praise the Lord often. Psalm 108 is an interesting one because it actually seems to be like two different psalms put together. Because while I was reading it, it seemed very familiar to me. And then I looked down to see if there's any sort of notation about it. And it looks like the first half of it is almost identical to Psalm 57. And then the other half seems to be identical to a portion of Psalm 60. So it seems to be two mixed together into one psalm. But overall, it still is important to understand what is going on here, because we do see the Lord speak in this psalm as well. What he has claimed as his inheritance, as well as who he has declared as his enemies. So like, he lifts up Gilead, Manasseh, Ephraim, Judah as my scepter, which that is significant because Christ is from the line of Judah. And so... Obviously, that's important to recognize because a scepter is used by a king, and the Lord God is king over all his creation. So that's important to notice. But then his enemies are spoken against. Moab is my washbowl. Over Edom, I will throw my shoe. Philistia, I will shout aloud. So he declares that they are his enemies. And then we know that God is with us in the hard times, and we should recognize that, because will you not go forth with our armies, O God? Now, he's speaking more of the military victories, but he goes with us as well. And we really need to see it as the war that it is. We are in a spiritual war, and we need our commanding officer to lead us, which is the Lord God himself. Give us help against the adversary. For deliverance by man is in vain. There is no man or woman on earth who is going to save you from all your problems. So we should not rely on humanity to be our redeemer. It should be on God. Psalm 109 is also a psalm of David. And this one is talking about how he is wanting judgment to be on all of his enemies and his accusers and everyone that conspires against him. And he especially points out God's judgment on the one whom he strongly curses. And there's he goes into great detail about all the ways that, that he wants God to punish the ungodly people. You know, let creditors seize all he has. Let his wife be a widow. Let his children be fatherless. Like, kill him, Lord. Take his life so he doesn't hurt anybody else. Let no one extend his loving kindness to him. So it's really strong language. And it makes you wonder, I thought we were supposed to love our enemies. I thought we were supposed to be patient and loving to people who are against us. But more than that, we need to understand that David understands the heart of God better than most. And not only that, but he also understands how God is. If we haven't figured it out by now, David is a very emotional man. And when anything goes wrong in his life, he runs to the Lord and prays against it. And I think that's something we should all 
learn from that even if it's to us not really a big deal or to other people, oh, it's not a big deal. David seems to know as well that if we leave these things unchecked, it can cause bigger problems, especially when it comes to bitterness if it takes root or resentment or just anger unchecked. It just leads to worse things. And he he's wanting us to let God handle it. You practice self-control in the way that you conduct yourself. Well, let God be the one who does the vengeance. And then after he declares all the things that his enemies should go through, then he recognizes who God is in his sovereignty and in his power, and that he is the only one who can redeem and rescue us. Psalm 110 is a short one, and it is actually quoted quite a bit in the New Testament. I'm sure you've seen this before. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. What in the world is going on here? Who is he talking to? So in my Bible, it makes it pretty distinct of who's talking here. So first it says the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. So God says to my Lord, and this is a Psalm of David. So David is saying that God Almighty says to my Lord. So there's somebody else who is above David. And who is this? This is a conversation that David is hearing between God the Father and God the Son. Because we know that in the New Testament that Jesus is of the line of David. He is the son of David, but at the same time, he's also David's Lord. He's David's king. And this is what the father is saying to the son. Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. That's what's going on right now. Christ raised from the dead, and he went to the Father, and he sat at the right hand of God, quite literally. And he's waiting until the time where the Father is putting all his enemies to be the footstool of his feet. Everything that is going to be in subjection to him. And he could do this at any time. But he has chosen not to because, as we read in the book of Peter, that he we consider God slow, but he's not. A thousand years is like a day to him, and he is waiting for more people to come to repentance. That's why he hasn't returned yet. And then he declares in verse 4, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. Obviously, God is immutable. He does not change his mind. You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Now, Melchizedek, if we don't remember who he is, he was in the book of Genesis. He was the king of Salem, which Salem was the area where Jerusalem is today in the time of Abraham. So back then, that was not part of the promised land yet. But apparently, this man, Melchizedek, was not only a king, but he was also a priest. And because we see after there is a war between a bunch of kings and Abraham took part in it, that he gave a tithe, 10% of his spoil, to the king of Salem, Melchizedek. 
And the Bible, especially in the book of Hebrews, goes into great detail comparing Jesus Christ to Melchizedek. Not saying that Melchizedek is Christ, but it points several parallels as to some significance on how he is king and priest at the same time, and that he has no beginning, no end that we know of, so on and so forth. So it really lays it all out in the book of Hebrews. Psalm 111 is now entering into all the ones that start with praise the Lord. We don't know who wrote these ones. But the first thing he does is that he wants us to consider who God is, and he encourages us to praise the Lord just like he's doing because of what God has done and how he has manifested his power, his truth, his righteousness, and all these different things. And what we can't see, because this is in English, is every line of this psalm it consists of an acrostic. And the acrostic being every line starts with the every letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And so while we can't really see it in our translation, every line begins with the Hebrew letter of the alphabet in succession. It's an acrostic. And so I thought that was pretty neat, but we don't it doesn't translate well into English. But there's a couple things we have to understand from here and as a reminder to ourselves. The works of his hands are truth and justice. All his precepts are sure. They are upheld forever and ever. They are performed in truth and uprightness. That's who God is. He is those things. He has sent redemption to his people. He has ordained his covenant forever. And this is written back in Old Testament times. And yet it is clearly understood that God will send redemption to his people and that it would be ordained forever. And this is talking about the new covenant, not even talking about the covenant of the law. So very interesting. And this is a familiar line that we will also see in the Proverbs. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do his commandments. You want to be wise? You need to ask God for it. But you also need to read his word, which is what we're doing here. But let's just not do it because we're doing it for the sake of doing it. We read it because we want to understand God and we want to seek him. This is not just some fun thing to do in the morning. Or maybe if I just listen to it, I'll be more godly. It's in the pursuit. If your heart is far from God and yet you're listening to this, then you're shutting yourself away from him. Hopefully he can penetrate through your thick, stubborn heart. But it's much easier to go willingly into the throne of grace. Psalm 112 is also an acrostic like the other psalm. And this one is dealing more with the blessings of the righteous that God gives people who are righteous and obedient to him. And then the other half of it talks about the judgment of wicked people. But as you can see, almost all of it is showing what God does for those that he loves. But the encouragement that we need to get out of this as well is, since God is a blessing to us, and he is righteous. 
then it encourages us, beginning in verse 4, that we are to be righteous and bless others as well, in extension. So definitely, we need to be involved with that in blessing other people. Not only our own fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, but also your good works, your conduct. All those things make God interesting to people. And that's when you are giving them the opportunity to ask you, why are you so different? Why are you so nice? Why do you do this? Why are you so different? And that's the whole point. We want to be different because that is the entrance into sharing the gospel with someone. Are we doing that? Are we being a blessing to the people around us? Are we practicing righteousness in their presence? And I hope we know what that looks like, and we can certainly talk about that sometime. What does it look like to be righteous? But God is demonstrating right here what it looks like. Certainly, we can mimic that. And lastly, we have Psalm 113. This one is the beginning of a series of psalms up until 118 that are known as the Egyptian, or the Hallel, which means the praise. And this is something that they would sing um, in connection to the Passover. So these, this one and the next one, Psalm 114, they would sing before the Passover meal in preparation for it. And then the other four, Psalms 115 through 118, they would sing after the Passover meal was eaten. And the main thing that this, these hymns call for is praising the Lord because he is exalted on high, and yet he stoops down from heaven. This is the most lovely thing of all that I got out of it, is that he stoops down from heaven. He condescends from his mighty throne in heaven to exalt those who are lowly. Like it says, verse 5 and 6, Who is like the Lord our God, who is enthroned on high, who humbles himself to behold the things that are in heaven and in the earth? We are so beneath him. He is so exalted and so much higher than us, and yet he chooses to step off his throne and condescend down to us at an individual level. I mean, if you look at the grandness of our universe, we are a speck upon a speck upon a speck upon a speck upon a speck. And yet God still loves us enough to stoop down from his sovereignty and see what's going on with us by guiding our life, by taking us by the hand and leading us. How wondrous is that? I mean, just when you try to fathom even a, a glimpse of that, that's just so amazing. We, we're nobody, and yet God has made us something, and he cares enough about each one of us to put his majesty aside for a moment and exalt us as his children. I mean, that's just remarkable how he does that. But his ultimate act of humility, of how he humbled himself, was through Jesus Christ by taking on the form of flesh like us. It was a very humbling experience for God to become a human, because we are finite, we are mortal, and we exist in a sinful, evil world. And yet God chose to take on that appearance, be fully man and yet fully God, 
and to guide us and to save us. And how remarkable that is that he did that. So he humbled himself in the greatest way possible. And even today, he still does it to the extent where he doesn't have to do anything with us, but he desires to do something with us and to step down from his throne and to look at what's going on in his creation and guide it by his own hand. How wondrous of a God we have. Spend your time today praising him for what he has done and what he is doing, because he's never stopped resting. He is actively working on your behalf and in all the intricacies of this universe. From the movement of cells to the movement of planets, he is doing it all. Praise him today. Recognize his might and recognize his majesty and how he cares for someone as insignificant as us. And that's all I have for today. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.